You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you uh, amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On today's show, we continue our NLE's positional rankings with the outfield. Which outfield is the best in this division in the first segment? I will throw out the teams that really shouldn't be even factored into this conversation. We're looking at South Beach with the Miami Marlins and also with the everything else around Juan Soto national outfield. Uh, And then in the second segment, we'll talk about the outfields that could contend for being the best in this division. I'll tell you who I actually do have ranked as the overall best outfield in the NL East. Then lastly, in the final segment, I want to talk a little bit more about Starling Marte. Once again, Buck Showalter has reiterated he will be playing right field this season, as I told you months ago, and I want to talk about why that could not only be the best thing for his career, but also why it could make him a sneaky favorite to win a gold glove this season, which I don't think he would have won out in center. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, ranking outfields in this division was a very interesting exercise for me. And what we're going to start with is the two teams that I think you can basically just throw out. Um, This is going to be a running theme as we continue to go through each position group. And it's the Marlins and the Nationals. These are the teams that just don't quite stack up to the top three in this division. And you go to the outfield for the Marlins, there's no question that they do not even factor into this conversation. They're apparently experimenting with Brian Anderson in center field, and that just tells you how thin they are at the position. They really needed to go out this offseason and try to swing a big trade to get a Cedric Mullins or a Brian Reynolds or even Cattell Marte before he signed that extension. I mean, this was the time to take all of that prospect capital they have been building, go all in on this pitching staff, and get a legitimate bona fide center fielder. Not to mention, they had one who's on the Mets, Starling Marte. If they had simply treated Marte right and signed to a proper extension, they would be sitting pretty. And you look right now, what did Avicel Garcia get? I think he got 53, if I'm not mistaken. Was it 4 for 53? Exactly, 4 for 53. Marte got 4 for 78. So that's a massive miscalculation uh, when you're talking about this Marlins team. They could have simply extended Starling Marte for four years, maybe even $75 million, right? If they had done that last year, they hang on to him and maybe they don't sign Soler and Garcia this offseason, but their team is markedly better. Um, And they probably could have still got a Soler. So that was a mistake and that throws them out because again, Garcia and Soler are an upgrade over last year's team. It's good to not have Lewis Brinson and you know Magnaris Sierra and all these other guys getting at bats out there, John Birdie, but still that's a weak outfield for sure. 
you go to the Nationals and Juan Soto alone um, deserves mentioning as the best outfield in this division just because he's that damn good. But if you look at the fact that the Phillies have Bryce Harper, who just had a better season than Soto, slightly better, but he did win the MVP. You look at Ronald Acuna Jr. with the Braves. You look at the Mets having Starling Marte and just overall a, a better core of outfielders. And the Nationals with Soto, Victor Robles, and a big question mark. That just doesn't factor into me to actually put them um, in that top three when it comes to ranking the outfields in this division. Soto's great. Robles is a great defensive center fielder, but this team comes up pretty short. So now we get into the real conversation here. Phillies, Braves, Mets. In the next segment, I'll break down the one team that I think really does rival the Mets, but I think the Mets are clearly better than the Phillies in the outfield. And if you're a Phillies fan out there, who cares about big names and star power, you're going to say, what are you talking about? We have Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwerber, and Bryce Harper. Best outfield in this division. Here's the thing. One of those guys in Castellanos or Schwerber, you can just take your pick, is going to be a DH and will will be part of my um, episode breaking down the benches and the DH being a big part of that uh, because now this year, that's sort of how you have to look at the DH. It's what's the strength of your bench for the guys that will factor in as a designated hitter and for your overall depth as a team. And, and with that, um, you know, Castellanos or Schorber will be maybe the best DH in this division when I get to that part of my rankings. But you're talking about the outfield and somebody else is playing center field. And that is where I knock the Phillies and drop them below the Mets and the Braves because they're not going to have an above average contributor starting every day where you can make the argument that the Braves and the Mets should be able to run out three above-average options every single day. You look at what the Phillies have. Is it going to be a doable Herrera? Potentially. They brought him back last year. He got on base at a 310 clip. Also, his WRC+, plus, which again, uh, for those of you who don't know, that is weighted runs creative plus measuring hitters based on a league average of 100. Last year, Herrera had a 93 WRC+. plus, So he was a below-average hitter. I just don't think he gives you much out in center field. If it's not him, maybe it's Mickey Moniak. That wouldn't be great. Last year, Moniak had a 91 WRC plus in AAA, so wasn't even able to thrive there. The one X factor for the Phillies that might um, make me eat crow here and, and eventually put them as the top outfielders division or at least top two is Matt Verling. Uh, this is a guy that was really good in the majors last year in a short sample. 77 plate appearances, but he hit 324. 364 on base, a 479 slugging percentage, a 121 WRC plus, so 21% better than your league average hitter. But his season was weird. He tore the cover off the ball in double A, had a 183 WRC plus in triple A, yet an 89 WRC plus. So he was unbelievable in double A. He was below average in triple A. And then he was above average in a short sample size at the major league level. If he's able to break out for this Phillies team, I think we're going to look at them a lot differently um, throughout the year, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen. So I can't just give them that nod. What we're going to do though now is we're going to look at the Braves and the Mets. Cause I think across the board, if you're looking at the entire picture in each of these outfields, it's clearly the best team in this division, but are the Mets better than the Atlanta Braves? We'll discuss that in just a minute. But first I want to tell you about athletic greens because you know, this partner, uh, you know, has a product that I now use every single day. And I was never someone who really knew 
which pills to look for to get my daily vitamins and nutrients. And I was really looking for something that could just make it all simple for me. And that's exactly what Athletic Greens did. It's one scoop in a cold glass of water every single morning. That's how I wake up. It's almost like my morning coffee now, uh, which costs less as well, I should add, less than $3 a day, which is cheaper than if you were to go out and, and get a cold brew or a hot coffee somewhere, um, you know, if you go to Starbucks or something like that. This is a, a more affordable option that's obviously way better for you. Uh, this is a great way to start your day. I just know I have so much more energy and, and I just feel better. It's good for your immune system, your recovery, your focus for aging. With one scoop, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, which starts your day right. It is the single best thing you can do for your body in under 60 seconds. And there's over 7,000 five-star reviews for this. It's recommended by professional athletes. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so now let's discuss the Atlanta Braves or the New York Mets. Who has the best outfield in this division? We'll start with the Braves, and Ronald Acuna Jr. deserves mention as maybe the best outfielder in this division. Juan Soto is clearly the other guy that you would mention, uh, probably the better hitter Soto is, but maybe Acuna is the better all-around player, a real five-tool threat, a guy who was three steals away in 2019 from having a 40-40 season, a 40 stolen bases and 40 home runs. You just don't see that anymore. Uh, Bryce Harper, I should throw out there as we're talking about the best outfielders in this division. He's the reigning MVP. So he's right there in that same league as those guys. But if you're projecting out the next three years, this is Acuna or Soto's division when it comes to being the best player, when it comes to contending for MVPs. These guys are that special. Last season, Acuna hit 24 home runs in 82 games played, a 4.2 F4. If you extrapolate that out over a full season, I mean, you're talking about 40 plus bombs, maybe even closer to 50 bombs. You're talking about an eight F4 season that is right in MVP territory. He's really good. And I would argue that if you were to throw out any health concerns from the knee injury last year, might be the one player in this division you'd want above anyone else. That That's how good he can be when he's right. And defensively in center field, I think he's going to be good out there. He's going to move out. The center field uh, seems like full-time this season. He brings immense value. But the thing is, when I look at the Mets, I see Starling Marte. And I don't know if Starling Marte can be Acuna for the next four years. I would say I strongly doubt he could be that. But could he give the Mets a season that's as good? If he plays the way he did last year, the answer is yes. Because last season, Starling Marte had a 5.5 F4 in 120 games. You extrapolate that out over a full season to 7.4 F4. Maybe not quite where Acuna was when you're measuring their production in their, you know, not full season sample sizes, but very good. And then you get to the other spots. And this is where I think the Mets might have the edge. 
Because right now you look at the Braves and there's Marcelo Zuna, who did play last year. We forget that because he had the domestic violence suspension. It, it almost felt like he was out of sight, out of mind, and never really did contribute to that team. He was on the roster early on. He did not play well. He hit 213, 288 on base, 356 slugging, over 48 games, a 73 WRC plus, so 27% worse than your league average hitter. Uh, his F4 was in the negative 0.3, negative 0.3, I should say. So he wasn't good last year. He was great in 2020. You just don't know what version you're going to get. And if he's not in the starting lineup, it would be Eddie Rosario and Adam Duvall. All four outfielders will get a lot of time. I would imagine that they will maybe platoon Rosario with whichever one of Duvall and Ozuna is hitting. Um, Rosario last year was amazing as a Brave. He had 271, 330 on base, 573 slugging, 33 games, NLCS MVP, a 133 WRC plus in the regular season. Really, really good. But with the Guardians in the first half of the season, 86 WRC plus in 78 games. There was a reason that he was able to get acquired by the Braves for pennies. Adam Duvall, 38 home runs, good defensive outfielder, still hit 228 with the 281 on base. So that does mitigate some of his offensive value. He's basically been a guy that's slightly above average when it comes to WRC plus. You know, 110 it is kind of what you would expect from Adam Duvall. He gives you a lot of home runs. And I think in some ways, he maybe transcends the, the advanced metrics a little bit because uh, you just know that a three-run homer swings games, and Duvall will provide that. But here is where I ultimately went Mets in this ranking. I do have the Mets as the best outfield in this division, and this is obviously barring health. Starling Marte and Brandon Nimmo both have big health concerns. We, we They haven't always been able to be, especially Nimmo, the guy that can go out and play 140 games. So that's the huge question mark, but this is assuming health. And the stats that I found that ultimately swung it over to the Mets, because I was actually leading Braves going into this exercise, is I wanted to go back and look at stats since 2018. You know, really the last, what was that, 2018-19, the last four seasons, right? So Nimmo, since 2018, 267 hitter, 398 on base, 457 slugging, 139 WRC+, plus, 39% better then your league average hitter, a 10.8 F4. By far the best numbers of this group of outfielders. And I'm going through uh, the outfielders that are going to play in the corners um, for the Braves, and then I'm going through you know Nimmo and Canna. So the, the guys that aren't the top outfielder on each team. Mark Canna since 2018, 249 average, 366 on base, 441 slugging, 126 WRC plus, 26% better then your league average hitter at 10.4 F4. Not that far off from what Nimmo produced. Then you go to Marcelo Zuna. 268 hitter, 339 on base, 467 slugging, a 115 WRC+. plus. So still above average, but even offensively, not as good as the two Mets. And then his F4 is 7.6, and he's been getting worse and worse every single year out in the outfield. Eddie Rosario, 274 hitter, 311 on base. 476 slugging, 107 WRC plus, slightly above average, but a 6.5 F4. You then go to Adam Duvall, 223 average, 285 on base, 465 slugging, 96 WRC plus, 3.8 F4. Now I'm going to try to do quick math here. If you add up those three Braves since 2018, 
Is that 13.9, 16.9? Their combined F4 is 17.7. You look at Nimmo and Canna, it is 21.2. So Nimmo and Canna, is this the second podcast in a row I've mispronounced Brandon Nimmo's name? What am I doing here? Unbelievable, this Locked on Mets host. Um, but if you look at since 2018, the last four seasons, the production that Nimmo and Canna have put up has been more valuable than those three players. And so when you factor that into this equation, you're looking at which outfield is best. If we assume health, a massive if, the Mets have the best outfield in this division. And in that outfield, Starling Marte is a huge X factor, as is Nimmo. If Nimmo is healthy, he's probably even a better player in some respects than Starling Marte could be. We just haven't seen Nimmo healthy for 150 games. But if he is, and if he's getting on base at a 400 clip, look, his WRC plus is going to be in the 130s, if not the 140s. His F4 is going to be extremely high. It's going to be a very, very valuable player for the Mets. Marte is going to be the Mets' right fielder, which is what I want to talk about in a minute to close out the show. Uh, I have been ahead of the game on the Sterling Marte and right field. I was comparing him to Curtis Granderson uh, prior to him even entering free agency and why the Mets had to go after Marte because he could be that Curtis, Curtis Granderson type player that could take this team over the top and push them towards the playoffs. I think in right field, his glove's going to play up way more. And I really believe this is the best thing for his career because I think it could turn him into a gold glover again next season. And that's what I'm going to talk about in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about the best tasting protein bar ever, which of course is Built Bar. Built Bars come low in calories, low in sugar, low in fat, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. They come covered in 100% real chocolate, so they will cure that sweet tooth. They can replace any of those you know, candy bars, pastries, ice cream, things that aren't good for your health. Built Bars are the way to you know, satisfy those cravings without feeling bad about it. They also have the brand new Built Bar Puffs, which are the first ever protein-infused marshmallows. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat that also comes covered in 100% real chocolate with incredible flavors like the cinnamon churro, the coconut marshmallow, the banana cream pie. Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So make sure you check their site often to see what's new at built.com. And once you're there, make sure you use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. So I referenced some of these stats on Monday's show when I was talking about Starling Marte, what I saw from him when I was at the game on Sunday out in right field. Buck Walter continues to indicate that he's going to be the Mets' right fielder. I don't know why people are surprised about this. I was saying it three, four months ago. Starling Marte is going to be the starting right fielder for this Mets team. It makes the most sense. As I alluded to on Monday, and I will once again reference today, Last year, if you look at Starling Marte's outs above average breakdown, where does he thrive in the outfield? It's not coming in on the ball. It's not going back on the ball. Going back, he was worth minus two outs above average. Going in, he was worth minus one outs above average. Where he thrives is going into the gaps, where I think he is going to really be able to play up defensively in right field. Because last year, 
not only was he good going into the gaps, where he was really good is going to his right. So in right field, guarding that that right center quadrant of the outfield, he's going to be very strong at that. He was worth four outs above average, going to towards third base, going to his right last season, worth one out above average, going towards first base, going to his left. So I think he's going to play up out there. I think Brandon Nemo, who has gotten so much better coming in on balls, you know, playing a little bit further back in the outfield, letting everything play out in front of him and, and chase those balls in. He's able to close really quickly with his sprint speed and everything else. I love Nemo in center and Marte in right. This is the right decision for the New York Mets. But I want to bring it back you know, to the Curtis Granderson element of this that I was discussing again before the Mets even signed Starling Marte because these are two players at near identical stages of their career when they're coming into the Mets. You look at Granderson entering his age 33 season. You look at Marte entering his age 33 season. Traditional center fielders playing a lion's share of their career out at that position, or at least for Marte, ever since you know Andrew McCutcheon's uh, star power wore off a bit and they finally made that switch and put the better outfielder in center from his early years in Pittsburgh. And then he's been playing center ever since. Granderson with the Yankees was their starting center fielder for the first three years of that contract. The fourth year, in New York with the Yankees, he was hurt. He only played 61 games um, and did split time across the board. But throughout his career from 2006 to 2012, he started at least 134 games in center every year and started over 155 times. He was an everyday center fielder. But his last two full seasons in center field, Curtis Granderson was worth minus nine defensive runs saved. Moves to right field for the Mets and over that four-year contract, he was worth 18 defensive runs saved. This was, again, playing his age 33 through his age 36 seasons. During that span, he trailed only Jason Hayward, who was absurd defensively, 77 defensive runs saved, Giancarlo Stanton, 28 defensive runs saved, and Josh Reddick, 22 defensive runs saved, as the fourth-best defensive right fielder in baseball. Nobody else was in double digits based on that metric. I look at Starling Marte and I say, why can't the exact same thing happen here? If not better, because I think Starling Marte is an even better athlete now than Granderson was back then. And so I look at even stronger arm for Starling Marte that will that will play up in right field. I look at the fact that in the early stages of his career, Starling Marte was a left fielder that won gold gloves out in the corner for the Pirates. Two gold gloves, 2015, 2016, as a left fielder for his career in left. You know how that defense looked when it came to the events metrics? 71 defensive runs saved. You know how that defense has looked in center field since he made the switch? Minus 12 defensive runs saved. Starling Marte might prefer center field. Who doesn't want to play center? You know, go back to Little League. Did you want to play left field, right field, or center field? Did you want to play second base, third base, or did you want to play shortstop? Everyone wants to play shortstop and center field. Those are the premium positions. You know, it's it's more fun to be out there, you know, right in the center of everything, to be the captain of the outfield and all that stuff that comes with it. But if we think about Marte's career moving forward, this four-year $78 million contract, this is the right move to have him age gracefully in right field where he could win multiple gold gloves for the Mets. I look at him in center. Is he going to win a gold glove as a center fielder at this stage of his career? No. In right field, might be a favorite this year. And so that's only going to add to his career accolades. And I'm sure for Marte, I don't think he's going into this season just wanting to win a gold glove. 
I'm sure it's maybe not even high up on its list of priorities. But I think about what the Mets are trying to build over the next four years with Marte being a key contributor, and it makes sense for him to remain in right field. And what will happen is he does give you that luxury of if Brandon Nemo goes down, and we know it's a good chance that that could happen at some point. You do have Marte that can play center. Curtis Granderson at times did shift over and play center field for the Mets when they had to work in a Jay Bruce. Granderson slid over, and he was able to do that effectively still. But his defense was better when he played right, and I think the same thing holds true with Starling Marte. I see a chance here where Starling Marte could be viewed in a much higher light by the end of the year because of this switch. Where Starling Marte, maybe he goes out and he wins not only the gold glove, maybe he contends for a silver slugger and has an unbelievable season and can win MVP votes. So on tomorrow's show, we are going to do a Mets betting preview with Peter Apple, who hosts a show about uh, you know betting, not gambling advice for just baseball where I work. Um, and we're going to go through all the different lines. And so we're going to talk about Marte, Lindor, Alonzo. Do any of them have a chance to win an MVP? Uh, you know, what's the deal with the Cy Young? Do you put your money on DeGrom? How about Scherzer? Maybe even a Chris Bassett. We're going to go through all that tomorrow. But I just think that for the long-term longevity, Starling Marte's career, for this Mets franchise moving forward, that switch to right field is going to make Marte look better, make the team better. And ultimately, it is a big reason why I have the Mets as the best outfield in this division in the National League East. We will also be ranking infield. That'll come on Friday. But as always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show, at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan, but please call him Sully. Locked On MLB is where you want to go to keep you up to date on everything going on in Major League Baseball right now. And also, to remember some of the great moments of the past. You can follow Locked on MLB wherever you get podcasts.